0: A radius of Reason episode 11 I'm Levon with my arch-nemesis pseudo-intellectual and devilishly handsome co-host bursting Andrei. with fruit flavor. And let me just say I'm glad that you're in a very fulfilling relationship because if you were not and you were on dating apps oh, it see. would be
1: game over for the rest of us. I thought you were talking about our relationship. No. Can we build the lore that we're actually, like, cohabitants? Mysterious cohabitants? No. This is my friend, Levon. Levon. Levon.
0: All right. All right, yeah. um, Dating apps. Dating apps. Big topic today. So it's very clear, I think, uh, if anyone hasn't been living under a rock, that more and more people are meeting online. There was a 2019 study. That showed about half Of single adults Are actually looking for a partner Online um, So let me actually ask
1: you like, What has been your experience with dating apps? Yeah uh, Dating apps for me I think were As for many people Pretty damn awkward um, I, I think the whole process Of like setting up a profile Selecting the right sequences Of like photographs depicting you in like, what's the stock advice? Like, you have to have a photo of you in the nature with your friends, like doing an activity. Um, I, I think it was always kind of a. It was, setting up an online profile for a dating app, I think, what was like a ritualistic thing, right? It was almost kind of an acceptance of like, yeah, I'm single, so I have the dating apps on my phone. But I've always preferred, I think, meeting people in person just because it kind of takes away a lot of the friction that dating apps introduce, right? You know, there are certain communities that are a little easier for men to navigate via dating apps when maybe balances and genders in places like New York City favor men a little bit more. So it's easier to kind of play in that pool. But I was always very um, hesitant to dedicate a lot of time to the dating app culture because I always felt at a inherent numerical disadvantage, right? And we've all... I imagine seeing like the YouTube experiments where like people create fake dating profiles as like women. And they show like what it's like to (laughs) swipe on Tinder as, as, as a woman. It's quite different. And I think for me, that was always a little bit frustrating. And and after a while it stopped really being worth like the time and dedication it really takes to craft like a, a competitive uh, profile on a dating app. Um, so I didn't really do it for too long. I did the Tinder. I did the bumble. I think I enjoyed both experiences, but I know now there, there is a wealth of, you know, organized and targeted dating apps for certain communities, farmers only and and whatnot. Um, What about yourself?
0: I mean, I've had a pretty wide range of experiences Um, like you, you know, sometimes you have pretty bad experiences. You feel like these aren't worth it, you know, uh, to be online on those, but, I've, I've had some pretty good experiences too, met some very interesting people. So, shout out kinda, to all those people. Yeah, shout out to all of you uh who are listening right now. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know. I think sometimes it's hard to parse like what's what. Um like for me, you know, I think like the type of person that I'm interested in is just like me in the sense that they're looking for someone that doesn't exist. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> You
1: can bond over that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But you, you know, when it comes to like having unrealistic expectations, like you're not sure, okay, is this my personality? Is, is this being driven by dating apps or other mm-hmm. cultural trends, you know, social media. And we're going to kind of discuss all of this today. Um, but let's just, I guess, um, come back to to dating apps and let's take a qualitative look at um, some of the pros and cons because you know we have we have some data on them as well but I think because the, I, we'll get to it again the the data isn't perfect and it's um, it's very young you know <laughs> so uh, let, let's just first take a, a more qualitative approach. So, when it comes to the pros of dating apps, I think a lot of the pros you would say are probably pretty obvious, right? Like, you get to meet way more people, right? You get exposed to a bunch of different people that you otherwise wouldn't be exposed to.
1: Yeah. And I think that's of particular utility when traveling, for instance, right? Where I found, in my experience, dating apps to be very, let's call them useful and actually exciting to use when you're in a different country and you can actually meet people of your age group that, maybe you wouldn't necessarily have a chance to meet normally because it's a lot more difficult to to meet people in public to approach um, as the pickup artists would say. Um, And I think, yeah, there's definitely something to be said about casting a wide net and really being able to kind of have as many options as possible presented to you when you kind of reenter the dating pool, so to speak.
0: And I think, you know, um, for certain personality types, you could also say to them, dating apps might be an absolute godsend because they, they might be really bad at communicating mm-hmm. with pe- or approaching people, you know, in real life. And so being able to do it through a medium that they're more comfortable with, right, like introverted people, that could be a huge benefit. So
1: well, what, how do you feel about the nature of communication via dating apps? Because I think everybody listening would probably agree that there's a certain finesse to messaging via dating apps, some people almost treat it like an algorithmic thing where you have to like send a clever opener line to, to kind of gauge attention, to gauge differentiation maybe for, from others in the dating pool. But what's your personal take on, on how that functions? Like, is it, do you actually have to be more introverted to be able to succeed on dating apps to kind of break that initial barrier?
0: You know, I don't know if you have to be more introverted. I, I think it's kind of what you alluded to earlier, where you have to dedicate more time to kind of build your craft, Mm -hmm. you know, and and part of that is, you know, being more engaging in the opening message. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, I mean, that's kind of like true in in many domains, like in marketing, like you want to be engaging right off the bat, right? (laughs) Like, uh, in, in a five minute YouTube video or a TikTok video, you want to be engaging right off the bat. So this is kind of like a truism. Um, again, does that answer your question?
1: A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think it's getting back to the crux of the fact that dating in general is probably a very effective self-marketing campaign. But to a certain extent, I think that... I mean, it is a self-marketing campaign. It is. And and I, I think dating apps kind of present a very specific scenario where you are crafting your brand, right? Where you're immediately trying to present the four positive things about you that would in fact capture somebody's attention. So it's a branding game, essentially, to a certain extent, maybe more so than traditional kind of in-person meetings would be, initial meetings.
0: Yes, it's more deliberate right. in that sense, right. for sure. Um, which, yeah, maybe, maybe that does select for certain personality characteristics, you know, that, that, that are able to be more deliberate, whereas their natural strategy, you know, in real life, some people that have the more natural strategies, <laughs> or their less deliberate strategies might have been uh, more successful right. when things were more favorable for for them. Um, but yeah, like going back to this idea of like all the choices that we have now on dating apps, um, that also has obviously the downside, right? right? Where you have this paradox of choice. And so can you elaborate on this a little bit? Because it also, it coincides with, you know, that article you sent me the other day that... Right. The, the Coolidge
1: effect. the Coolidge effect, yeah well I mean I think the Coolidge effect in itself is a fairly interesting point to start on because it really kind of I mean let, let's call it a theory at this point, but it's the idea that um, specifically men and there there is a thought process that the Coolidge effect does have uh, an application to, to women as well, um, but that variety is what in fact drives um maybe sexual motivation to a certain extent and i think the dating apps like perfectly capture that because there is a sense of like oh within this like 25 to 50 mile radius i have access to x amount of partners right but realistically speaking it probably isn't that and i don't have numbers but i imagine the average tinder user isn't matching with every single swipe they have. And again, there's some conversation to be had about the differences in gender and gender parity within dating apps, but it does create a sense that there is this set pool of candidates that I have almost unlimited access to. And it really creates the illusion of choice, right? The illusion of the fact that yes, in fact, I have access to, you know, 50 or 60 partners versus the maybe 10 that I could interact with. Should I approach them in person? And, and, Get to know them or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and you know, by virtue of just the the sheer size of options, right? Like you start to devalue each individual option, so, right? So I think there is some level of like dehumanization that occurs because people become essentially disposable, right. right? Right. Um, and then there's you know there's always that grass is greener on the other side type of thinking that that we we that that exists in real life, uh, you know, before dating apps, but they exacerbate that issue, you know. Um,
1: well, I mean, it has definitely altered our, our, our culture to a certain extent, um, at least here in the United States, where, you know, this whole notion of like Netflix and chill becoming something in kind of our popular dialogues where everybody understands what that means. And the ease of access to, to partners has almost created this atmosphere where hookup culture is kind of an understood element of being within a certain age group. And I'm not saying it's like set or standard and that's something that everybody's looking for, but I think dating apps have created at least the illusion that, yeah, okay, we, we can, you know, freely participate in all of this with no consequence to the, the either party involved in the process, right? Where there is this, this kind of disposable element. And it's interesting because in conversations with my own friends, both men and women have expressed a sense of like, yeah, I feel more disposable when I use dating apps, right? There's guys who complain about being ghosted, right? Where they go on a date with a girl and, you know, she didn't like them. So she just moves on to the next one because there's that spectrum of options. And that's, I think kind of a historical trope that maybe has existed with the whole branding, like, Oh, men are pigs. You know, men are only interested in one thing and and maybe dating apps kind of over amplify that to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, they definitely do. And they highlight the worst, um, features in us sometimes. Um, yeah, look, so, uh, another issue that I've been thinking about is due to the number of options that people have and, and this now tendency to kind of take, maybe take longer to explore your options, mm-hmm. um, as we'll see later, some of the actual data shows people are marrying later in life, right. Right. um, This does seem to create an issue of what I I think is like a time decay problem, where if you think about what I think most people um, would say is like they they want a lifelong partner. And like, I think that can end up being a very rich experience. And so the longer you wait, you know, and the more variation that you have earlier on, um, you could say the less time you're going to have with your eventual partner, assuming that you will get one. And what about the richness of the experience? Um, What about the impact that might have on the richness of experience, right? Like meeting someone at 25 and then growing old, you know, versus meeting someone at like late thirties or forties, you know, that's how do you put a price on the 10, 15 years that you could have had with them to have a more enriching and fulfilling experience. Now that obviously is very presumptuous because that assumes, um, that there's, you know, someone that someone, first of all, values having a lifelong partner (laughs) over, uh, just like a continual set of romantic experiences with different individuals. Right. Um, or that there isn't value derived from the earlier, Varied
1: experiences can
0: actually contribute to a more fulfilling
1: and a more stable relationship down the line. So,
0: but but it's just some interesting things to uh, think about and and how dating apps might be driving different like dynamics, right, in our society. And
1: I think it does kind of come back to what we discussed around the illusion of choice, where there isn't necessarily as much of a maybe pressure immediately. Uh, on individuals to settle down with a single partner, because there is a a thought that there is a kind of an infinite spectrum of candidates that that are quite literally at somebody's fingertips. And whereas maybe in the past you'd kind of have more of a thought process around, well, hey, I met somebody that check a lot of the boxes for me. It's going to be harder to meet somebody in the future. Maybe this is in fact the best possible option I have for for a long term relationship. And with things like Tinder and Bumble, where you can just sit on your toilet and constantly scroll through candidate after candidate after candidate, it does create a sense of, well, I don't need to settle down with one particular person because there is so much more out there. But I think that really hits on maybe the... the. The central point of the fact that this is an illusion, right? Where just because you're seeing all these potential partners, it doesn't mean that this is in fact somebody you could have a better chance of connecting with than with the whoever you are who you're with at the point. Yeah, at the and this time. also
0: ties into the expectations that we have. Mm-hmm. Not only are there more choices, but is it possible that our expectations have been raised by mere exposure to you know, the more choices you have, you know, maybe you're going to notice more people on the higher end of the spectrum. And then maybe you get a date with them. Maybe, you know, you're, you're a female and you match with a guy who is like really high status, maybe by all accounts, objectively more, you know, better looking than you. And let's say they sleep with you. Now you might have the impression like this is now your caliber of men, you know, of, of, of men, but that's not how it works. Right because men are more than happy to sleep with with women that are you, you know it's it's easier for them to just have sex than it is for a woman to just have sex with a guy obviously what do you, what do you mean by that what i mean by that is I, from the evolutionary psychology I'm literature it seems to be the case again this is like statistical averages this is not necessarily the case for everyone but um like, it is less likely for a female to just sleep with a guy who's, like, lower than her, than, than than herself than for a guy to sleep with someone who's, like, lower, like, uh, objectively less attractive. <laughs> so, by virtue of a male sleeping with a less attractive female, they can create the impression that this is the kind of male that they can get. But the sex is actually... It doesn't carry the same weight as it does for a female.
1: Man, you've been reading some like incel forms. <laughs> no, no, this is, this
0: is evolutionary psychology. Yeah. So I think, it, I think that's what I mean, they say too. So, some of it has been hijacked by by the incel community, I think. Hijacked
1: or yeah. Um
0: I mean, th- does it make sense what I'm saying? I don't know if I explained it. I think to all a certain extent,
1: well. yes. I I think that there's a lot of other factors at play, and maybe that these are factors that aren't as persistent on the apps as opposed to meeting somebody in person right where i mean and again like the likelihood of somebody having a greater chance at hooking up with somebody if they meet in person versus on an app again i think there is something to be said about that because there's a ton of other factors that come into play right somebody might not be photogenic they might have a great presence and charisma both men and women in person versus the apps um and i think that kind of is something that is warped by how we sort of position market brand and communicate on the apps versus how we do it in person. Cause some of the things that I know that, you know, I, I have uh, sort of participated in and spoken about on the apps completely kind of Gets shut down and isn't even effective when you're meeting somebody in person. I mean, think about like the dumbass, like intro messages that are sent both by men and women on the apps. And would that fly in like a face to face interaction? Right? Probably not. I mean, everybody has their approach and everybody has the shock and awe tactics they use. But I think that it kind of goes back to the point we were making around the fact that the apps have, in fact, changed a lot of our dating culture and our, our our kind of courtship culture too, to a certain extent.
0: Yeah. And I want to highlight something that you kind of alluded to where the emphasis is on like appearance, right. And other characteristics of someone that could be more appealing aren't evident right right through the dating apps. And that does create selection for like, again, like the most attractive, like visually attractive people. Um, and that's really bad right if 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 some people have a lot more to offer um and and they're not necessarily the most attractive physically but they have other traits that are like really attractive and have gotten you know that that's why their genetic li- lineage has gotten them the so far you know, like, those, those like, great qualities are now not evident through the dating app.
1: So I have an amazing skull shape. It just, just, please, like meet no, me in but, person. But,
0: you know, I mean, like, it could be musical talent. Yeah. It could be intelligence. It could be, you know, I mean, all sorts of things.
1: I mean, right? it's the whole, like, Cyrano Bergerac effect, right? Cyrano was not very attractive, you know, the, 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 I f- don't. the French novel. No. Oh, my God. Who wrote it? I think it was Proust. Anyway, Cyrano had a really big, ugly nose. So he wasn't really um, popular with the ladies, but he was very eloquent and he could speak very beautifully. So Cyrano's friends would have him stand like behind the bushes and say very beautiful things as they would stand in front of their partners, like at a distance or something like that. Um, Edmond Rostand. It's a it's a French play. Very, very interesting. It says a lot about uh, our dating culture today, I guess, to a certain extent.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll have to check it out at some
1: point. surprised you haven't heard of it. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, this emphasis on appearance, I I think that's just like the natural continuation of what social media uh, has done to maybe our collective psychology to a certain extent. We've discussed it in previous episodes, but there are higher rates of depression and statistically higher rates of, of teen suicide as it relates to Instagram usage, right? Because Instagram presents a certain image of an individual at their best, right? At their most made up with all the filters attached. And I think it's kind of very, and I don't know if Tinder still does this because I've been off the apps for a while, but Instagram is linked to, to Tinder accounts, right? Where you can also see somebody's Instagram photos on their profile. So they are in fact presenting like their utmost attractive, successful kind of energetic, well-traveled image to, to, yeah, uh, to, to interesting to space. You mentioned
0: that because the, the line between social media and dating apps is, is becoming blurred, right? Right. Is Instagram, is it not in a way a dating app? Right.
1: I have a friend who that's basically exclusively how he's met his partners Mm -hmm. by by messaging them on Instagram.
0: And so, yeah, it becomes more and more difficult to parse like the effects uh, of, of social media versus dating apps versus generally like the internet and like having a global society and exposure to like, All sorts of people. You you know what I mean? Like, this becomes a very difficult uh, problem. Um, And I guess another topic um, here that I want to discuss, when we think about the pros and cons of dating apps, you know, like, we've been talking a lot. uh, We've been focused a lot on the individual outcomes, Mm -hmm. right? But you know clearly there, there there are some people that have really really good individual outcomes really positive ones and then some people um that have absolutely you know they don't get any dates it's just completely awful but at a societal level there's other effects going on right and so what can we say about the societal impact that dating dating apps are having are they changing some relationship dynamics in, in a negative sense.
1: Well, I think there is a sense of, um, I, I imagine that things that would be worked on in relationships, maybe are less likely to be worked on because there is, again, going back to this assumption of like infinite potential candidates that you can pursue where let's say if your, um, I don't know, your partner is a, terrible cook i don't know i'm trying to think of something off the top of my head um and instead of maybe being patient and like waiting for your partner to get better at cooking this is the worst analogy ever but you could just jump ship and try to find somebody else and i think (laughs) maybe now it's a little easier to do again but i think it's more of an illusion than anything um what what are your thoughts
0: yeah i mean i i I think it you know kind of goes back to the just the amount of choices that we have, right, or the illusion of the choices as you as you mentioned, um, Yeah, I mean I think I think also the effect of if it is the case that dating apps are leading to pe- are leading people to marry later in life, to explore more options, um, what does that say about relationship dynamics in mm-hmm. general, right? Like it's not clear. And because relationships and like romance and, and, you know, marriage and, and kids and everything that's involved with that, because it's such a critical human social function, right? It, to me, it's like we should maybe be more cautious about changing, changing this in such a rapid fashion without fully understanding the consequences.
1: But um, and I think what's interesting is that as opposed to a gradual pace of maybe social reform. And I'm trying to think about historic changes in like relationship dynamics, right? Maybe post-World War II, like women entering the workforce that probably did something to change how kind of partnerships and relationships function because now you have two incomes. Now you have a question of who's raising the children, who's staying at home. That was kind of driven, I think, by social and historical movements, right? As opposed to what's happening now, that's very much the creation of privatized tech companies where it's like the Uber effect where you have a tech company that inserts itself into our existing ecosystem and starts changing things around. And I don't want to say it's unprecedented because things like the industrial revolution are very much driven by private companies, integrating machinery and things like that. into their work processes, but the you know it's been referred to as the tinder revolution and and a lot of writing on it like you know in the atlantic and some of those magazines this is very much driven by a tech company that's created an app that is now changing the way our social dynamics work right so this isn't something that's happening as a consequence of maybe greater women empowerment or maybe greater socioeconomic availability this is happening because a company has injected this into our so you want to end capitalism I mean, (laughs) every every conversation leads back to the end of capitalism. But to a certain extent, (laughs) I think that maybe not in capitalism, but every conversation does lead back to the role that private companies play in our lives. Because in fact, they are far more present in our day to day than they have been historically. Maybe the greatest comparison to this could be I don't know, like hiring a matchmaker historically, right? Somebody that would find a part, I guess parents would hire a matchmaker to find an eligible partner to their child. And to a certain extent, yeah, you're outsourcing that to a third party that would present you with like a list of candidates or something like that. But now it's very much kind of a company that is, first of all, monetizing the act of courtship and monetizing the... um the, the sort of addictive nature of using these apps, right? Off mic, we talked about gamification and how I remember using Tinder and just the rush I would get when my phone would buzz and you'd get a notification on your home screen that, oh, you have another match, right? Because that's like sexual validation, that's validation of social status, attractiveness, all these things. But this is a company that's actively making money off of that neurochemical response. And then it leads to a lot of other greater questions over. Because this is a for profit organization, do certain types of profile get more visibility than others? you know what about the presence of bots and marketing because from what I remember, Tinder wasn't just. People. it was also you know troll accounts and catfishes and everything but you also had brands creating profiles where like you'd match with like fucking tide or something uh, and, and, yeah imagine getting a notification like very excited to see yeah and, and it's like amazon <laughs> like 10 percent off amazon prime like but i mean do you see what i'm saying where this is it's not just um a change in our social dynamics, which is a very real change, but it's a, it's a change in social dynamics brought about by a for-profit company with for-profit incentives and motives behind it. Yeah. But what are we going to do about it, right? Like- well, what are we going to do about capital? I mean, I feel like you want to end capitalism. Um, no, I think it comes back to, to regulation and, and, and sort of... Yeah critical conversation and, and we'll, I th- we'll, we'll, we'll get to like how to improve yeah,
0: dating we'll, apps and, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this soon I don't want to jump but I,
1: I think largely speaking the tinder phenomena is interesting because it's not something that maybe happened gradually over time I can't I mean when was tinder injected into like the app store I didn't start using tinder I think until maybe oh gosh I can't even remember I don't now. know was yeah. it 2012 ish it was after 2010 something but something again there like was that. no conversation around this there there wasn't like a a discussion you know to your point you know if the 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 relationship dynamic is so critical towards preserving and and advancing our civilization um which you know people might disagree with that you know more conservative individuals would probably subscribe to this being like the sole driving force of of uh, of of human civilization but if we accept that historically speaking um successful effective partnerships have been a very important factor in in raising children and and you know just stabilizing our societies then maybe we should have had more of a conversation around the consequences of, of injecting this sort of tool into our, our relationships yeah shoulda woulda
0: coulda but yeah. look are we are we presupposing now that these dating apps are actually bad because right. looking at the data honestly it, it wasn't clear to me at all if this is right. actually a bad thing. It wasn't clear in the data if there was actually any statistically measurable downside to to, to what dating apps have uh, right. caused in society. Um, at the same time, I mean, it, they're also still relatively a, a new um, component of society, I would say. And right. like, it's not clear if the data down the line is going to show, show the effects right in the next few decades. Um, but having said that, let's, let's kind of look at some of the general trends, not necessarily related to dating apps, but, um, kind of relevant to this whole thing. Um, people are marrying later in life. We talked about this and it could be due to dating apps. Uh, it could be due to a bunch of other forces. Socioeconomic circumstances. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: people who, have met online, they get married more quickly than those who didn't meet online.
1: That's interesting.
0: And maybe that speaks to people that are dating online or through dating apps have a clearer idea of their relationship goals, or maybe are explicitly setting out to, to find a, to find a partner. Maybe.
1: Well, I think, and we could talk about this um, a little bit later, but I think it also has to do with the audience of each specific kind of dating app right i imagine individuals who use tinder versus hinge versus bumble versus plenty of fish e-harmony whatever there's probably varying degrees of what you're looking for at each one of these and i don't know if like a 19 year old tinder user is somebody who's trying to find their life partner right off the bat
0: yeah well even if they're not necessarily this is a different kind of article or study that I read, but it seemed like even they happen to fall into relationships, even when they're not, you know, again, hmm. explicitly looking for that. Um, another general trend in the U.S., and people are probably familiar with this statistic, but divorce rates have
1: been falling for several decades. They've been now. falling? They've been falling. Interesting. That That's not a data point that I thought would accurately reflect what's going on around me. But, but. that
0: is actually, yeah. Um, but I mean, it could be, there's less people, actually, I think the, the rate of marriages has been relatively constant, maybe slightly dipped over the last couple of decades, but, um, yeah, divorce rates have been falling for several decades. If you can imagine that. Maybe it's parallel to less people getting married. But, that, but that's what I just said. Like the rate of marriage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. Uh, another stat: Adults and teenagers are having notably less sex than 30 years ago. Japan, uh, especially
1: Japanese, but even in the
0: U.S., this has been a big topic as right. of late. What, right. do you, what do you think is causing
1: that? I, I think that goes to, to uh, you know the very Japanese problem, um, but it is reflected in other countries of complete social I- social isolation, where we have less opportunities to engage face to face, maybe because of. Th- Things like dating apps, um, which, again, the illusion of choice, the illusion of success. I think. People are likely having less sexual relationships, they're having less sex um, because they're not actually engaging as many people. Um, And I think the paradox here is that before the apps, we were kind of meeting each other at bars and, and, you know, having one night stands and whatnot. Yeah. And
0: you know, there's, there's this thing called the repeat exposure effect where as you get repeatedly exposed to someone, (laughs) you know, you can grow more fond of them. And when you think about how people meet online and and through dating apps, you you don't get that effect. Right. And so like if someone doesn't immediately, you know, spark your interest, it's kind of like, okay, on to the next. But in real life, if you meet someone, right, in in school or at work, you may have already met them several times. You may have met them for, you may have known them for months or years even, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so due to this repeat exposure effect, now all of a sudden you find someone attractive that you otherwise wouldn't have if you had met, you know, the other day through a dating app. Um, So that could be maybe contributing to... Uh, less social engagement right to some extent on 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 a romantic or sexual level right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and then you know uh look if, if we could if we could pinpoint um this decline in sex to dating app usage or social media usage um you know what does that say about the stability of society when you have a bunch of sexless males, right? Like you referred to incels earlier. And right. like, that is, that can be a legitimate, legitimate problem because if only the highest status males are getting the women and, and maybe getting even multiple women, right? Like polygyny becomes uh, more common, right? Um, this This tends to create far less stable societies because you have a bunch of men... At the bottom, who are getting nothing, right? They're not getting sex. They're not getting romantic fulfillment. They're not having kids. That is That has been established as a recipe for disaster.
1: Interesting. I mean, I, and I, I'm curious about how these data points would treat same-sex relationships, like non-hetero relationships, where I... <laughs> I don't know how big or active the gay incel community is, which I imagine there is one out there. Gay incel community? Yeah. Where, I mean, I, th- something to, to look into, I think, on a, maybe a next episode we'll talk about <laughs> gay, gay, <laughs> gay incels. Um, but I, I, I think the Japan case study is interesting because it's not just Japanese men that are unable to have sex, but actually it's not even unable. It's a rejection of sexual relationships and it's happening in both genders. Uh, Both men and women, younger men and women in Japan are having less sexual encounters than previous generations. I don't know the hard numbers on this. And like with many things that you have addressed uh, in the past few moments, I think it's a lot harder to specifically attribute this to dating apps versus a collective series of things that have happened in the past 20 or 30 years in our economic and maybe political lives, um, where, yeah, dating apps are existing in an ether along with, um, lower wages, higher healthcare costs, you know, things that maybe are contributing to greater amounts of stress where, if you're barely able to make ends meet, like what are the chances you're actually going to go on Tinder and try to, you know, find a sexual. Partner?
0: Also, like like we talked about income inequality and how that can again, like people can gravitate towards, you know, the the people on the
1: top end. Right. right. I mean, and again, it's right. like it's like status signaling, too. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you you kind of established really well that. Dating apps are oftentimes running parallel, if not directly intersecting with social media. If somebody is throwing up photos of them with their Bentley and, you know, luxurious trips to Thailand, that's going to make somebody probably more appealing to the opposite sex. Um, you know, if it comes down to a choice between, you know, partner A versus Not everyone
0: B. is as superficial as you,
1: Andre. I have to have a partner who drives a Bentley <laughs> and takes me to the Maldives, no question about it. Um actually that does sound amazing. And honestly I I'm I'd be very fascinated to see how Tinder usage runs with members of different social classes. And I I know that there are certain exclusive quote unquote dating apps for members of certain socioeconomic classes where to even enter and create an account you have to have proof of Maybe like an alumni association from a private school or you have to have a certain income that you have to prove via pay stubs or something like that. And I know in our community, there was a pilot program about maybe six years ago to launch like an elite dating app. And it was all about like kind of velvet rope uh, white glove service where you had to receive an official invitation to even like participate in that respective dating pool. And my theory is actually that's where it's going to head in the future where unless we have some sort of like reform and change in how our, our civilization is evolving, we're going to be more inclined to intermingle or co-mingle with members of our own socioeconomic classes. Right.
0: So yeah, there's going to be the stratification that sure. occurs and the, to the, some extent. It's like you said, it's already occurring. Right. It's just going to get amplified. Right. Right. Um, And, and I think
1: <laughs> it's working class tender. <laughs> it's just, um, but I, I think that that kind of, to the point about oh you know who if people are having less sex than who's having all like who's hoarding all the tinder matches you know from both genders or or, um, all the genders i guess so to speak and i think that really comes down to like with many things kind of status and power where if you do have a certain level of income or social capital you're probably going to be having more sex than somebody who is um sitting in you know their parents basement and, and drinking discount Mountain Dew or whatever. Absolutely. 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 So there's hope for us yet. There
0: is hope. There is hope. Um, there's also this MIT model that was created. Uh, and it, there was a couple of predictions made by uh, this this model that MIT created to kind of evalu- evaluate dating apps Mm -hmm. and they 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 evaluated it based on social links Mm -hmm. this concept of social links now i don't know all the details of this study uh i don't know the math behind it but there was a couple of interesting predictions that i do want to touch on um one of them was that it predicted a high level of racial integration so like interracial marriages through like novel social links that you get because dating apps allow you to you know Meet people that you to Meet people outside of your
1: racial group exactly. And in my experience, that's actually been one of the greatest things about um, using the apps is that I've had exposure to a lot more racial, ethnic, and national backgrounds to to explore potential partnerships. Um, I think that my capacity to date outside of my immediate group has been like largely improved by the apps historically, Um, especially in communities where you, you still might have, you know, redlining effects in play and that there are certain neighborhoods that, you know, might have certain racial and ethnic characteristics versus others. I think that's a phenomenal thing. And that's what makes life so much more interesting.
0: Could it actually result in a uh, less racist society, <laughs> less intertribal conflict? I mean, if, if, if it aids in kind of the mixing of different ethnicities and cultures, Like, could this actually be a really positive effect of dating apps that is kind of unforeseen, maybe?
1: Yeah. Well, I I I I guess foreseen now. Well, I I, I think at the very least it increases exposure, but it still comes down to, I think, like maybe approval from your peer group or your, your family even, right? Where I know I've had an experience where I matched with somebody from kind of an Arab culture. But there was kind of an understanding that I would never go past a certain point because the family would have probably never approved of me as like a long term viable partner. Not that either one of us were looking for something like that, but it's still I think it comes down to the willingness of maybe the surrounding environment to accept interracial interethnic and
0: yeah but you know that's a slow process okay like that's one data point but like over time through further assimilation
1: all of a sudden you know that could end up you know in something more tangible right but then if we do end up kind of reverting back to our tribalist mentalities and seeking out apps that might be exclusive exclusive to certain groups of people i mean what is that going to you know how is farmers only going to accommodate for all the city folks trying to meet some farm That's a people? Very good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: Yeah. And another prediction that was made uh, was that marriages created in a society with online dating would be stronger. And and this was actually apparently backed up by research when they compared the result when they compared their prediction
1: to to actual data over the past like decade or so. And I was actually really curious to hear your take on this uh, as to if you agree, I guess if you th- agree with this kind of assertion that that's made by, by this research, like do you feel that there is something at play in the selection process in online versus app dating that would make a relationship in fact stronger?
0: The The only thing I can think of is if you have evaluated many options so you feel like okay like you've seen the landscape of the dating market and and what your possible options are and wh- where you fit where you fall within kind of um where your value is and what you are able to obtain you know I don't I don't I don't I don't want to like again like dehumanize and like gamify and objectify uh and and reduce you know dating to like a number or something but like if you discover like you're an eight and that you can get eights, okay, great. Like you settle there and like, you're a lot more comfortable. Whereas if you thought you were a 10, but it turns out you're actually a seven, but you can only get sixes, you know, that, I mean, that produces a different mindset when you enter into a long-term marriage or someone who hasn't had that exposure. Right. And goes in with an illusion that they have more value then they really do
1: have do you think that value is present in kind of in person dating and courtship i mean do you think that somebody like like does even the concept of an 8 or a 7 apply to meeting people in person I mean I mean, is that like like I, I I think you actually called out one of the more interesting phenomena that apps bring about is to kind of like all of a sudden you are now positioned within a certain hierarchy in the dating pool, right where because of you know the things we talked about that you you kind of market with the brand that you established, like holy shit, all of a sudden now I'm a six or a seven where I may have perceived myself to be a lot higher or lower than that. Is that something that is in fact present in? kind of dating without the apps and without the internet.
0: I, I think it is. I think it's something that people, I mean, it's just semantics to me. Right. And like people mean different things. You know, sometimes people are just only referring to physical attractiveness. Oh, this person's a nine or a 10. Okay. Okay. Like in the sense that I was using it earlier, it was kind of referring to like overall, like how attractive is this person based on appearance, personality, intelligence, stock portfolio, whatever, like all, all these, you know, all these traits. So like you can, again, it's just like people like to simplify things to just discuss. Like we're not, you know, we're not trying to reduce people down to a single number, but for the purposes (laughs) of conversation, we may have to do that, you know. And and, and and the truth is, like, this is how, in a lot of ways, people think, you know, when they think about, okay, is Leonardo... Let's say you don't want to ascribe a certain number to someone, but you can say, okay, is Leonardo DiCaprio, if you ask women, like, is how attractive is he? He's I mean, going to be mm-hmm. more attractive...
1: In nineteen ninety-eight. But but I mean like you know,
0: whatever scale you want to use, however you want to say it, you kind of you're getting at the same thing. But to kind of go back to this research which was saying like, okay, the strength it was saying that marriages created through online dating would be stronger. Okay. And then they looked at the actual that was the model prediction. And then the actual research said, Okay. Strength of marriages were found uh, There was some evidence that the strength of marriages In the married couples who met online um, Sorry, I'm completely butchering that Married couples who met online Had lower rates of marital breakup Okay, so that was some actual research That backed up this model prediction Now, I kind of was like Unsure about that I wanted to look into it And when I did some digging I found that it was completely contradicted by other studies (laughs) So what it goes to show is that you can't trust anything online these days <laughs> and that even on MIT's website, you know, it 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 it's it's saying things that, you know, aren't necessarily the case or it's unclear what the truth is, right? Like there's contradictory studies. Uh, and and so, you know, this kind of leads me to just touch on the fact that research on dating apps, as mentioned earlier, because it is a novel relatively novel phenomenon, like, it might not show up in the data, right? The effects of these dating apps may not be visible in data sets large enough to draw any reasonable conclusions from. Right, It it could be another decade. It could be two decades, right? Um, and there's all these second, third order, fourth order consequences that might not be visible for even... A few, other, a few more th- decades, I, and right? And I think whatever
1: so. whatever data pool that we had to work with was probably completely obliterated by the pandemic because that totally changed. Sure. Dyna- and, and that's, I think, the very difficult thing to kind of pinpoint, and it's going to be very difficult to pinpoint, is because there's so many things happening outside of the fact that the app's existing, right? Where maybe there was a certain trend that was developing with the data that existed since the deployment of things like Tinder on the App Store. But again, I think the pandemic probably changed everything around because yeah. the likelihood of somebody staying with somebody they met on Tinder probably completely changed out when hey, uh, you know, all of a sudden now you can't even effectively meet people.
0: And and you know, again, that that might be why we need you know, data for a longer period of time for a maybe more stable time period to actually draw <laughs> these conclusions, right? And and the other thing that I want to talk about is, you know, the the nature of like social science, right? And how we've touched on this in in other podcasts, but um this is the most difficult field in science, like undoubtedly, because the human mind is the most complex thing that we know Random about in the universe. Piece of crap out and there, and so yeah. when you talk about the interaction of the human mind with other human minds, and then like these are all these layers of different interaction and and whatnot, like this is insanely complicated. So it's not surprising that we see contradictory studies. It's not surprising that it's very difficult to parse correlation from causation, right? And so just, like, you know, keep that in mind when we're talking about all these studies. Like, who knows what the, what the truth is? Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess uh, maybe another way we can look at this is just, like, historically. Um, and I, I kind of touched on this earlier, but most of human existence has been in small groups, right? Right.
1: Every episode. <laughs> every episode every episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> and up until the last you know uh several thousand years maybe the last you know 10 20,000 years um it, it was maybe groups of like 50 people and then and then it became you know larger and larger groups but nothing has changed the relationship dynamic to the extent that social media and the internet have over the last 20 to 30 years And so I just think, like, again, like, this is just massive when you put it into historical context. This shift that's occurring in how people meet, and maybe the things that are selected for on the dating market because of how people meet. What does that do to human evolution, cultural evolution, and then maybe? If, you know, this persists long enough in a stable fashion, maybe even evolutionary Mm. uh, changes, like biological changes, right? Um, I don't know. Like, it's just an interesting way to think about it for me. But this is huge. And, I mean, yeah, some people are talking about it, but the emphasis seems like still low compared to what it should be, compared to the gravity of what's happening.
1: Right right and and we i don't know if we're even fully aware of the changes that are happening around us and i don't know how rare it's going to be in 20 or 30 years to have relationships maybe how our parents had them right where i mean i don't know how your parents met my parents met i think on like a university campus or something like that but even that in itself i'm curious to see how that will be looked back upon by future app users right or how that's even going to be introduced to the mythos of a family, right? Because there is kind of this notion of the family story, like, Oh, how did you meet? And there's like some sort of like grandiose, like romantic moment or something like that. And kind of the, the myth making of what like a family unit is, but what is that going to do when, Oh, we met. Cause like, your mom was hot as shit on Tinder, you
0: know? <laughs> and it's, but uh, I mean, beyond that, like, or more deeply, do you think it matters how people meet? I think this is kind
1: of a tangent, but like, do you think it matters? No, to people? no. Objectively speaking, I don't, I don't. I think what matters is is the people and the fact that they're together. As long like, as you met them, that's uh, what matters, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, I think as long <laughs> as you enjoy being with them is probably the more right. important thing. But I think there is an element of maybe how children perceive their parents, right? And there is a notion of like a backstory and and, and the lore that comes into play. And it might not be important now as adults, but I think as children, it kind of does help you perceive your parents as like, maybe like a higher entity or something. I don't know.
0: A higher (laughs) entity. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So we tried to talk about this earlier. We made a few points, but how can we improve dating apps? How can we kind of counter the negatives? Right. And a lot of this, again, is so intertwined with the economic model right the economic system that we have in place and the incentives which are terrible <laughs> by all accounts yeah. are just terrible incentives right? right the incentive of of dating apps right now from a business standpoint right is purely to extract as much money as possible from the users oh yeah 100% which amounts to extracting as much attention from the users which means you know they want you on the app longer for for longer periods of time right and do they want you to even find someone right how are these these algorithms that they have they're proprietary we don't actually know what they're doing so like are they showing you matches that are like just below what would work for you do they actually know what will work for you and they're like you know what let's tone it down let's let's get let's get them just excited enough to keep using it but not find someone that they're gonna really like
1: yeah. I mean I I don't th- know. I, I think a- this is conspiracy level shit, but you know But I don't think it's conspiracy maybe level it's shit. Not. I mean it's not up there with <laughs> Kennedy, you know, but, <laughs> but, but but I think a lot of it we do have evidence that, you know, certain profiles aren't seen by certain people based off of like likelihood somebody's gonna stay on an app longer or not. I mean there 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 is a very robust system of algorithms that is powering these sorts of applications and the incentive is not to maximize fit or matches or um success in romantic relationships it is geared towards maximizing profit for the app developer which i think that objectively is the problem but it is also a greater problem that we face with any app we use and any changes to that level, i think it's going to have to happen from more of like a conversation about the structures and mechanics of smartphones and and how apps are developed for their phones and what the purpose of these apps Really involves you yeah,
0: know could you could you have uh an open source dating app you know is, is that could we could we get some good engineers involved could we right. get some public or like um i don't know some sort of like donations to fund no such a we,
1: what we need is a government created dating app where <laughs> you're assigned a partner based off of like your your, your 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 tax bracket or something or your potential like contribution to I don't know. Hello citizen, here's your booty, you know, here is yeah. your allocation. Um I th- I think that I think we can agree that government should stay out of dating. Apps. Yeah, no question about it. Um we, we just have to give a plug to our more left leaning listeners. Even yeah. the biggest socialist will the, the social probably. the socialist dating app. No, I, I think you know, what could make dating apps better, maybe more interesting, is to sort of maximize the opportunities that Dating apps present, right? And we kind of had a conversation briefly off mic about, you know, the metaverse and what it's going to do for, uh, for dating apps. But <laughs> I'd be curious to see what are you, what are you laughing at? The metaverse. <laughs> the metaverse. Um, but I mean, I- imagine <laughs> if, uh, there was a dating app that involved solving a problem together, right? And a lot of, you know, attraction, Off the apps is kind of built up through shared experiences and things like that. And imagine if you could introduce that into the dating app culture, so to speak, where I'm I'm talking out of my ass right now. But like with the metaverse, maybe you could have like a like a mini game or a puzzle that you solve together and in working together and collaborating on it. You might learn certain things about each other and maybe you don't necessarily even kind of see who the person is. Now, I mean, I don't really know how avatars work in the metaverse and whatnot. Well, and but for our
0: listeners that maybe are not familiar with the, what the metaverse oh, is, yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like this virtual reality sure. world where you, you have this
1: avatar. Right? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, when I was younger, I'd play games like uh runescape or, or my best friends. And I played something called Gaia, which was, um, You kind of create your own avatar and and you interact with other people on it and you make friendships and and you sort of build relationships to a certain extent. And to a certain extent, people met on those games without really seeing the person physically and then they would meet in person and the relationship Mm -hmm. would work out because they'd have that like background of experience, right? Yeah, I don't know how common that was. It's uh, not common, but I think with anything that Mm -hmm. tech companies don't necessarily create anything new, they just reinvent something that exists and then offer it up to the masses. But but, but
0: yeah, but it could become a common thing when you have a dating app in the metaverse or a dating function in the, in the metaverse itself. Um yeah it, it would be really interesting i think it would emphasize obviously different traits right right it wouldn't just be appearance maybe appearance wouldn't be even a factor until Why are you doing the Jordan Peterson voice <laughs> I, Am i i just i had to i don't know something in my throat
1: you're all the, the lobsters <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah i didn't even notice actually it's still in my i don't know what it is like an air bubble in my throat Nah,
1: man you're just you're just channeling JP Oh there um yeah but i mean i mean right now it is very much kind of surface level like somebody's sexy somebody's attractive but i mean I'm, i'm sure you could learn if you're really trying to find a partner i'm sure like you start taking into account somebody's behavior under pressure or somebody's behavior from a standpoint of like oh we have a challenge we need to resolve together um and that might add an interesting layer of depth to meeting somebody you're actually genuinely Well,
0: would it, would it come full circle eventually especially um when the computing power gets to the level where you can actually render like you could actually scan someone in 3d you know and then like this is your avatar actually is you but like the problems that you're solving in the metaverse are actually just these insane fantastical problems like you know, maybe something equivalent to like what happened in the Avatar films, right? Right, like oh Jesus, you know. I mean, but but like it can come full circle where not only is like your physical, you're physically embodied, you know, into this metaverse, um, but you can. It places even a higher demand on like people's ability to be creative and problem solve because of the type of problems that would be in the metaverse as opposed to to reality. Could be even right, it could actually end up even i mean it could just be much more interesting right it could it, be it could, but I think as like a, a and much more revealing where it would be harder to actually deceive people in terms of like your
1: capabilities but then I also you might have a higher propensity of just like strictly digital relationships, where if all of these things exist in a vacuum right where you don't actually have to face down some of the real challenges of maintaining a healthy relationship, you might just have people that. Live in, a simulation. live in the simulation and choose to yeah. kind of explore and exercise their relationship exclusively through these things.
0: Yeah, especially if they, you know, if they achieve like some sort of new technology with like haptic feedback systems where, okay, you could, maybe you could even have sex. Right. I mean, right. And they,
1: they have like some form of that now.
0: Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking even like 50 years, a hundred years sure. down the line where they've really like perfected some of this technology. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, we're talking about the effect of dating apps on society. You know, what's going to be the effect of metaverse right. on society? Right. If it really is honed down to like a really effective immersive system, and effective immersive. system, Convincing right? I mean, system it's, too, it's yeah. completely insane what could happen.
1: I, I mean, and, and, and yeah, I, I maybe wouldn't even resolve any of the issues that we talked about where, where if less and less people are pursuing sexual relationships and... What, what would happen if indeed, yeah, you could just kind of exist in this sort of vacuum where you solve puzzles together. You get you, like your kick and, and dopamine rush from interacting with somebody else, but then you never actually pursue anything outside of that. And then maybe what if it turns out that the digital relationship is far more superior to the actual face-to-face interactions? Because well, if, if you're
0: tough. able to go on adventures that simply aren't possible in real life, right? Right. Yeah. But you're actually... You still have much of the same benefit of like a real life interaction where like you see the person in full, right. They're rendered beautifully in eight K, you know, and like, uh, you have all the, just, you know, the physical sensations and everything, but you're, you're going to like these fantastical, you're going on in on these fantastical adventures that are only possible in the metaverse. Right. How could it compare?
1: Right. Exactly. And all of a sudden then you're just addicted to the, to the simulation.
0: there's going to be a lot of addicts in the future. A lot more than there are today. <laughs> now, what about um? May, may, maybe we went like too far into the future here. We're like, what about what? What could we do? Like, say in the next five, ten years, or, or even like today, start doing today mm-hmm. that could improve dating apps. Like, one of the things that I thought about is okay, if you if you just if you don't innovate too much in terms of like the current setup where you have a phone and you have this app that you download and then you swipe, that sort of setup. What if um, you had an algorithm that matches people only within a certain range of like their physical attractiveness (laughs) that matches with their physical attractiveness, but you don't know what they look like until you've chatted
1: with them for a bit. That's kind of fucked, though, because I think then you would be severely limited. And I think your, your photos would have to be great, first of all because there'd be no way to kind of i mean
0: well well here's what would happen right like you, d- you would still have to swipe through other people's profiles and like rate them but you wouldn't know who you match with but you but the but the algorithm would need feedback from the user base on like who fits where in the attractiveness scale right <laughs> because yeah i mean you you just need to know to match people like if someone's an 8 on attractiveness like He's only going to be matched with people that are like, let's say, between seven and a half and eight and a half or however the algorithm is programmed. And then after they've chatted for a bit and other traits have become more prominent, then like they're revealed. Right. Like the the, the other person's um, photo is revealed and then maybe then they can decide if they want to go on a date. Well, this this way you would overcome the downside of like the current setup of dating apps where it is such a massive emphasis on purely physical appearance. Right. Right. And, and it would allow maybe people to meet, it would allow people to meet others that wouldn't initially fall within their, you know, kind of ideal,
1: you know. Sure. What if you took the chatting aspect of it to another level though? What if you kind of made it, less of a passive thing and more along the lines of, if you match somebody, it automatically directs you to a phone call or maybe a video call, but video calls can kind of weird. Cause people do weird shit on video with strangers, but like, let's <laughs> say, let's say if you match with, and it, it's going to become more of like an active process versus a passive process where if you, if you know, whatever system you have in place, like you see like somebody's photos, you know, you have similar interests and then you match and it automatically directs to a voice call. And then would kind of force an interaction almost a certain extent. Maybe we just created an app idea.
0: Uh, That's a pretty good one. Just to force an initial phone call. You can't actually text until you've talked to them on the phone for Mm -hmm. like a minimum of 10 minutes or something. I don't know.
1: Right. Exactly. And it would kind of replicate some of the social cues that maybe we measure attractiveness on when we meet somebody face to face. Right. Because if somebody's very engaging and charming again like phone calls are kind of you know you never know who's good on the phone versus not but it would add another layer of you've seen their photos they've written the profile but now you can actually hear them talk and hear them express themselves which i think plays is is a huge element of attraction that maybe is missing from the apps right now
0: right so it, it elevates it to a certain degree still not maybe sufficient right in the way we would like, but it adds but, another layer. But it adds another layer, and so, I mean, you can say for sure it's an improvement over the current. Texting.
1: Chicks be getting a lot of phone calls now. I <laughs> mean just.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't know, like it. How how would how would such an app, for example, compete with you know Tinder or Bumble, where people are kind of at their leisure to like. I think it would just you know, it would be it, a different market, right? It, it would be a different market. That's, that's, that's
1: It'd be fair. less of a leisurely thing, more of mm-hmm. like a, I am sitting down to use this app, right? I'm, you know, It's a Friday night. I want to meet somebody. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to see who I match with and who I can have a conversation with. I,
0: I, I do like that idea, though, of, you know, aside from just like the phone call, but the principle of like forcing someone to interact in a different way. Even if it, if it's not a phone call, it's a video call, or maybe they're solving a game mm-hmm. or a puzzle together. Right. Okay. Like it automatically sets you up. Like you pick a few times that could work for you. Mm-hmm. Another person, it automatically Scheduling. sets you up like
1: a game night, you know. That's actually awesome. Yeah. That, that is a very good idea. We have to edit this process out of the, the podcast so we can record <laughs> on this. I mean, I think that would actually be a genuinely cool thing where it would take... The onus on activity planning away from the the couple. But 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 what about the now
0: the conspiratorial aspect of this? Like maybe Tinder people at Tinder and Bumble like thought about this and they're like, nah, it's gonna get people off the apps. We're not gonna do this.
1: But then you have the opportunity to kind of market yourself away from Tinder and Bumble too. You can position yourself as the anti dating app. Like our goal is to actually like render ourselves obsolete because we want people to match and we want people to get off the apps
0: but by virtue of wanting to render yourself obsolete you will become obsolete and therefore not compete with the other apps like that's an inherent issue
1: but maybe that's a competitive them. differentiator when people are becoming more aware of the fact that their
0: what participation is, is monetized economically how sustainable is that or is it even sus is it even possible to get it off the ground right like to acquire enough users like, that that might be, like, just logistically, like, a difficult... Thing. But if the
1: users are tired... I mean, you've probably heard people complain about Tinder and Bumble before. Or, I don't know, I don't know if that many people use Bumble or not anymore. But there's enough of, like, I think a cultural dissatisfaction of Tinder. It's seen kind of, kind of as a necessary evil to a certain extent. I mean... An, or just an evil. Or just an, <laughs> it's just, just an evil. Just a fucking evil. But the uh, the chance to try something new might be in vogue anyways, right? And maybe in fact you render that type of dating app obsolete where you create something that actually genuinely facilitates experience, which is the next step in like the the development of app culture. Right? Tinder supplanted something. I'm sure there was some sort of like I don't know plenty of fish or something like that but tinder kind of became the app because it offered a certain mode of, of interacting right mm-hmm. all you just do is evolve it to the next level you just render tinder useless because now you create something that actually facilitates experience which is a deeper a, a deeper potential uh point of connection with with a, with a partner i actually think it's a very brilliant idea
0: and, and, you know, maybe if it was open source, again, it would be not dependent upon the economic incentives. <laughs> you're, you're like the, right. The v- dating app vigilante. <laughs> just, saying, I don't know. But, uh, uh, those are interesting ideas. We would love to hear from our audience if you have any great dating app ideas. Um, since we've obviously given you our ideas, uh, it's only fair that you guys return the favor, right? Give them some ideas.
1: We got to get a P.O. box established. They can send us things for sure. Sure.
0: All right. Final thoughts on dating apps as a whole, good or bad or undecided.
1: I think for me personally, dating apps are, they have a fit for a time and place in somebody's life. And I think that, you know, it's great to have dating apps when you visit a new city or visit a new country and you want to meet somebody, maybe to, hang out with or hook up with and experience life. I think in that sense, they're a positive and they really enrich life. I think as with many things that have come out of, you know, the smartphone era, there's a evident dark side that does have a lot of unforetold consequences on, on maybe even our civilization to a certain extent. Um, It plays into self-esteem issues. It changes the nature of what we value. Maybe in, in relationships, it changes what we look for in relationships. But I think ultimately speaking, as with any tool, with the appropriate parameters, it could actually be a very successful and a positive thing. So I'm, for one, excited to see what the future will bring with dating apps. I will likely not be on them again. Wow. (laughs) Wow, this is big. I mean, no, I mean, it's just kind of, I think I've also (laughs) learned that I prefer face-to-face interactions. I I, I think I, I was always kind of. A little less successful in the apps than I am in person, and, and that's just because no, I. No, could... I
0: thought you were going to propose to your girlfriend.
1: Oh, I mean, I naturally, naturally, <laughs> you're um, going to do it over the podcast. Over the you? podcast, son of a gun. Yeah, and, and I'm like, damn <laughs> it, she better be listening to this <laughs> <laughs> because. Um. So yeah, what are your thoughts, man?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm fully with you. I think um there's there's a lot of benefits. There's also a lot of unknowns about how it affects society. I hope we can get our economic model or our, our economic incentives in place. And I think some of that is going to be tied to what happens in the country politically. You know, can we get the right regulations in place? Can, can government keep up with technology, right? Like these to me are the, like the, the underlying forces that are going to dictate maybe how the dating apps evolve in our society. I do think, there's a lot of room for improvement. There's no question about that. Um, I think if we can get the right incentives in place, we can have really awesome technologies that can hopefully make everyone's lives more fulfilling. Uh, and
1: yeah. We're always working up against a tech utopia, right? That there is a reality in which, once we get all these things under control, technology is actually enriching our lives. But that's not currently the reality we're heading into. And I think that... It, is less of a criticism of dating apps more so along the lines of like how our application of tech to our, to our experience has really been. Um so right now, I mean, we're probably hurtling towards a dystopia of certain sorts, but I there's always so. yeah, there's always a chance that we could figure things out. It's
0: it's either a, a, a tech dystopia or like an authoritarian dystopia. <laughs> yeah. and could maybe, you could
1: you imagine dating apps yeah. in like the era of Nazi Germany? Which is like a racialized authoritarian, like or if like the Soviet Union were still around, you'd have like a the Communist Party creates creates an app. Um, yeah it's,
0: it's quite dystopian, but yeah, maybe, maybe there's an alternative that we haven't thought about, right right well we, we talk about this tech dystopia uh all in like every episode, I think we do we it's do. all it's just all maybe that's the next episode <laughs> tech dystopia Actually, that's not text, a bad idea. Tech dystopia, yeah, yeah, that could be good, that could be good. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Stay safe out there. Of reason. Ciao.